we're trying to get the word out to the community to brace themselves. We, we just hope this thing's not going to develop into a real funnel. And in a situation like this, you really don't want to take the advice from medical C minus astrophysics. What are your favorite kinds of words? We use words like honor, code, loyalty. Live from Clifford Studio in East Austin, welcome to Morty Unleashed with Joe and Jamie. And boom goes the dynamite. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Morty Unleashed with Joe and Jamie. Episode number two. We got uh, Joe Myring, Jamie Frazier, and we have a special guest, Tom Brown. Tom. And it is a, uh, it's his real name. He didn't make it up. He is not on a, on a search list that people are trying to find him. Joe. Good afternoon, sir. What's day, going sir. on? Good day, sir. How you been? I'm I'm doing pretty well. I'm very excited to see you again. Yeah, likewise. I'm sorry that uh, you you're on a work release program from your home. Proby, Proby officer. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, topic for today is science. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to be. I'm, I'm surrounded. Let me go through the backgrounds. Uh, Joe, of course, is our our resident PhD in astrophysics, which I still have seen no proof of that. And we have Tom Brown, who is an electrical engineer by schooling. He went to Texas A&M, undergrad, and he did his master's in, in electrical engineering at Texas A&M. But yet, both of you knuckleheads are in computer science, which amazes me is why didn't you guys just go to school for computer science? And uh, let's start with you, Joe. How come you didn't go to school for computer science, but yet you play with computers now? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I always like the sciencey science of of science, sciencey part. That doesn't. It makes no sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, you you've got a, but you don't have a degree in, in computer software. No. No, I did not. But you do software. I do software. Yes. It makes yes. no sense, yeah. Tom. How did you get into computer science? I uh, wanted to be an electrical engineer since I was in third grade. But <laughs> when uh, when I graduated, there were uh, just jobs available for uh, you know computers, and so I ended up doing software. I wanted to make up with Julie Robinson in third grade. I didn't care yeah. about. I didn't know what electrical engineering was in third grade. Did you really know what electrical engineering was? Yeah. How did you know what electrical engineering was as a third grader? Uh, my, my grandfather was a hobbyist, had like a, a garage with a bunch of electronics in it. And then my neighbor's dad uh, was an electrical engineer. And um, so just just by luck. And, and uh, I thought it was like a pretty cool uh, occupation. Well, how did that work out for you since you got your degree in electrical engineering and you don't do electrical engineering? And in fact, I asked you if you could help me wire my freaking back deck and you said no. <laughs> right, how, how, how does that help me? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I just reflecting because when I was an undergrad, the A and M had a co-op uh, program, and, um, and and so I got involved in uh, it was like a summer summer job in Channel View, Texas, which I was actually just there this past weekend uh, for crawfish. Um, but but I, I worked there during the summer. It was kind of kind of a, a blue collar job, um, but I got to work with a guy who did like troubleshooting of, of like analog uh, uh, electronics. And I just realized that everything that I learned in school had like no practical value because I was com completely useless. The whole, I mean, how I, much is a, no practical value? What's that cost in, in in dollars at time? It was actually affordable school, but, but uh, I, I mean, I graduated then, yeah. with no skills. 
Uh, that's why I think astrophysics, they have no skills. But uh, So I, what I want to bring, since I have, I have Joe, you guys are both into, uh, into computer science. Um, tell me what you did, and did you just teach yourself computer science? Uh, software programming, did you teach yourself hardware and software? Yeah, uh, when, when I was uh, 12, our, fam oh. our family got a... Uh, third, uh, third grade. Third yeah, grade. A, a computer. <laughs> Uh, it was an Atari 800, and, uh, and like a lot of uh, kids back then, you know, the the Atari 800 was a great learning computer. It was great for making games, and so that's that's what I did. Is I I, I taught myself how to make games. <laughs> what was I guess? What was the platform to build games on on that system? It's just basic. Uh, yeah, you could. You was could, it basic or what? Yeah, I mean, it was you know uh, slow. To, you, you couldn't make very fast games with basic, but you also had the uh, option of assembly language programming. Yeah. But I, I uh, at that age, I didn't get into that low level yeah. of programming. I want to uh, describe, since we're not uh, on YouTube yet, since we're podcast number two, but we will be on YouTube, and we will have uh, Tom back again, but Tom looks sort of homeless, <laughs> which is, uh, and I think you, uh, but you've, you've sharpened it up. Um, his beard was usually down to his chest, but... He shaved his beard down just, he still looks a little homeless, but he shaved his beard down so he could go to a funeral. So it actually took someone to die to actually get Tom to go ahead and put his beard down. He's looking to, sharp, though. He does look sharp today. Thank you. Uh, but uh, Tom was coming in, and he took a couple cameo shots where he took some pictures, and I've passed those around in, in our new studio. And someone, almost to a person, they said, who's the homeless dude you're interviewing? <laughs> and that's Tom. But uh, I'd like to go do a little highlights on Tom. So Tom, Tom got into computing after uh, he graduated with his electrical engineering degree. He moved on to a startup, correct? Right. What year was that about? It was uh, 96, uh, summer 96. Summer 96. And you went out to California? Yeah. And uh, what was the startup that you were with? It was a video streaming company called VXtreme. And when I joined, there was just maybe a dozen and a half of us. Okay, and that must uh, have been very, uh, very young technology at the time, right? The, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Back th back then, the real real networks was like the the big uh, uh, competi yeah, yeah. competitor, yeah. And, w and we were just kind of a, a smaller one. So, so how long until you uh, follow this up with they bought you got purchased by Microsoft? In uh, I guess yeah, it was about April or May of '97. The next year. Um, <laughs> Uh, Microsoft, they they commonly when they do an acquisition, they don't buy the top competitor. They would buy the second one because it's a lot cheaper. So they they bought us, um, and um, and then they competed directly against Real Networks at that time. Did now you were not? They took bodies with them when they when they purchased the company, correct? Yeah, they they took all the engineers, but pretty much left everybody else. And was that in your contract that you would go? Wouldn't you signed up for? They made sure that enough of us uh, agreed to, to go before the acquisition was complete. So I think that was kind of one of the conditions was that enough of us were going to move up to Seattle. And was and then you were up with Microsoft for how long? Uh, just enough to vest all my shares. <laughs> <laughs> just long enough to get out. 
<laughs> How long was that? Uh, so, yeah, a year and a half at the startup and then two and a half years at Microsoft. Wow. So Dude. what kind of stuff were you working on at the startup? Like when you got there, um, I was uh, kind of jack of all trades because I, I hadn't done professional software development really uh, when I got there. So I was doing uh, network administration. I actually was uh, like sales engineering, and then very little programming. But like like uh, when when CNN during the Hong Kong transition in March of '97, which was like a big, yeah. you know, they had the most number of live streams at that point. Uh, I, would, I would go up to Atlanta and, and help out with that uh, deployment. <laughs> so you you left Microsoft. You got fully vested. I'm not going to ask how much money you made, but you made some money. Uh, I know you made money. You, you had a house up there, too, that you sold, and you made a profit well, off that, didn't you? Yeah, that, that was part of the, the package to come up was that they helped uh, with a house. To oh, buy a house? Yeah. Nice. That's a good deal. Yeah. So then you go, hell no, I don't want to stay here at Microsoft with all the free food. And uh, the, the did they offer you a decent salary to stay? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was just, uh, yeah, everything was fair and, and yeah. good. Just said, no, I'm going to go with another startup. Uh, yeah, well, two, two of my buddies, uh, while uh, co uh, fellow employees uh, started a company together, uh, we, we would like come up with startup ideas uh, during dinner, week, you know, weeks and weeks at a time. And then one one day they, they hit on an idea and they decided to, to go with it. And what was that idea? Uh, that was uh, like screen scraping uh, different sites like uh it turned out to be mostly banks uh but then aggregate all of that information like bank account information in, into one page so that you can see all of your like net worth on one page huh interesting that is interesting like early mint.com <laughs> oh well yeah it, it became uh uh they, they eventually worked with mint yeah. where, where mint provided the front end and they did the back end what company oh, what company bought that Oh, the the startup I worked at was called Yodely, and they were after going public, they were bought by Investnet. Investnet, and yeah. then were you you got made some money off of that enough to buy a few burritos, and uh, it, not not much. <laughs> but then you bought a Porsche. Uh, possibly, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. I mean, the the timing of it. But uh, Tom's a very interesting guy because you you would meet him, and first of all, just the way. Uh, he looks, you obviously dismiss, I mean, if, he, if you saw him on a street corner with a sign, you would not pull over and give him a dollar. But uh, he is one of the, 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 the sharpest guys I've ever met in my entire life. Very smart. Um, in fact, he turned me on to cryptocurrency uh, when I, he, I, I came up to him and I was like, you know, Bitcoin's one thing. Do you have any ulterior uh, coins that are going to, to actually probably have some utilization and and move, and he brought up Ethereum. And at the time, uh, you had to do a whole cluster. You had to jump through the hoops by buying Bitcoin and then transitioning that into Ethereum. But he got me in at, you know, less than a dollar and a, uh, a dollar coin and stuff. So it was it's it was, money. Yeah, it, uh, it. Yeah, I've done. I've done all right. And uh, the funny part is that Tom didn't invest at all. <laughs> He just tells me he's also he also um, mined over a uh, hundred yeah a hundred Bitcoin, and with the hundred Bitcoin, how much did he sell them for? Seven dollars a piece. <laughs> <laughs> 
So in application, he's an amazing guy to talk to and get information, but don't ever follow his business sense, uh, which is fine, which is good. Uh, Tom's a huge hockey fan. Are you, I don't even think, are you a hockey guy? Hockey? You're an East guy. Um, I used to watch hockey, actually. I used to like it. Yeah. Tom. I have not not been following it lately. Yeah. Tom, uh, I did a military folded flag foundation golf tournament and the owner of the owner of the Golden Knights was in, uh, was in, he owned the Golden Knights. He also was the main donor for the Fold the Flag Foundation. I did two golf tournaments for him, and he said, hey, listen, Jamie, really appreciate you doing this effort. We are in the, uh, we're in the Stanley Cup, which I come up for game one. And I said, hey, I'd really like that, but you know what? I'm not really into hockey. And Tom, of course, who's as, who does plays hockey every Saturday, says, "No, Jamie, you, you gotta go. You gotta go. Take me. We'll go." And like <laughs> he goes, "Just get the tickets, get the tickets and the the room." And I'm like, "Yeah, the, he's got the tickets and it, they got us a suite." And he goes, "Okay, you don't have to pay for anything else." And I'm like, "Let's roll. Let's go." And I'm like, "To me, I'm <laughs> like, I, I I hate Vegas. I like going in there for a reason. That was to go see the game, and I'm out within 24 hours." So Tom rolls in, and uh, the first thing that I noticed was we, we go in, check in the hotel, and then we're going to go to the game. Tom suits up in a suit to go to the... Clashy. Uh, the, <laughs> the only guy, it's 110 degrees in Vegas. There's crazy people on the streets. There's people watching the game outside in the big screen at 110 degrees, and Tom's rolling the streets in a suit. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he bought a hat. Now he has a hat and a suit. I'm in, like, jeans and a T-shirt to go watch the game. We go watch the game. We had a great time. Um, it was fun. I've never been to Stanley Cup. The Knights beat the uh, Capitals. Right. Uh, first game of the um, of there. And that's the only game they won that whole Stanley Cup. I was going to say, they lost that one. Right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. And that's the only game they won. And uh, it was great. And then we go back to the hotel. Because I want to get out of there. Next morning, we're, we're getting into the, the Uber. And now he said, hey, you get this squared away. I'll pay for everything. So I'm thinking Tom's paying for the cab ride to the airport. Right? Breakfast. Yeah, no. Yeah. no. Tom makes sure while we're driving, goes, hey, you can drop me off first at the other terminal and then go ahead and take Jamie back to the terminal. <laughs> so I get stuck with like the $60 freaking cab ride that I was supposed to not have to pay for. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, that's my friend Tom. He's the cheapest multimillionaire. He's a billionaire. Cheapest multi-billionaire that I know. But uh, love you like a brother. Not really. Thanks for taking me to the game. I really liked it. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about what was um, what was San Francisco Silicon Valley like like back in 96, you said you got there? Yeah. Um, nobody who lives there is from there. Yeah. Everybody comes in to make a lot of money. And, and, well, you know, I shouldn't say nobody, but um, it seems like everybody's from out of the, the, the area. Um, we worked crazy hours. I, I was young and, and not very uh, savvy. And so, yeah, I was one of those idiots who, like, wait, worked way too many hours a week. And um, and then I gained a, a tons of weight. Like, like I, I was, like, just grossly fat. By the time we got acquired, was it free food? Yeah, there? there was like I was eating <laughs> anything to keep you there. Yeah, uh, yeah. donuts and everything. It was it was very unhealthy. Did you think about starting up a cocaine habit just to kind <laughs> right. of trim it down? Yeah, 
Yeah, and uh, <laughs> but I mean, it was, uh, I would never trade that experience. Uh, it was it was really a, a good experience, and I learned a, a ton and, and got to work with people way more intelligent than me. So was, Does, the, was the town just like a buzz with all kinds of like ideas and I'm guessing like floating around all the time, right? yeah, just I, like people pitching you and everybody like. All the time. Yeah, I mean, th- this was before Google. This, I yeah. mean, Google did not even exist at this time, and um, and it, you know, Yahoo was was the big was, you know, uh, company. Was Huli there? Huli? Huli? Yeah, Huli <laughs> was just getting started. <laughs> was Silicon Valley? Was it anything like that? Yeah, uh, yeah, very much like that. So yeah. that, that that show Silicon Valley, it's uh, a good from documentary. HBO, it, it's like so. It was. More, it wasn't that crazy. It, it was. It was more sane than. I mean, it became. I mean, Silicon Valley and like that show became a lot more insane. Where did you live uh, while you're there? Um, first, I, I lived. Uh, I, I rented a room in Palo Alto, and then I rented a room in Mountain View, and then we moved up to Seattle. Was uh, was it? I mean, was it? Ex- how much was renting a room? At the time, uh, it wasn't that bad. Was I mean, it? yeah, this was a '96, and and so it was affordable. I, I want to say. I, I was probably renting at seven hundred bucks a month. Oh, okay, that's cheap. But I knew somebody who was renting downtown for seven thousand bucks a month at that time. So. <laughs> Holy, cow. Yeah, and, and uh, what, what North uh, Shore, or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. Did you have you Joe, did you do any time in Silicon Valley? Uh, not in the pen, but I've, yeah. I've been there. Yeah. Not in the what? In the pen. Oh, no. Is that some uh, doing time? I'm is not that doing time? <laughs> uh, I've been there a few times. I like. Yeah, it's, it's nice. Seattle? What do you think of Seattle? I'm just curious. Love, love Seattle. Um, yeah. Three months a year of paradise during yeah. the summer, but yeah. then the rest of it's like Gotham City every day, uh, just overcast and and um, um, terrible. Um, but but yeah, like I like that there's lots of hiking nearby, um, lots of freaks to watch, you know, in the coffee shops there. <laughs> it's beautiful, but I couldn't do the weather. You know. Yeah. It's just too dreary. I would, All the time. I would love to do the weather. That seems like I, I need to go ahead and migrate there. But uh, did you enjoy your time at Microsoft, or was it like a? It was. I mean, did you? Could they? Could you come in anytime you wanted during the day? Um, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty much. We uh, we were part of an acquisition, and so I, I was fortunate that I got to continue to work with the guys from the startup. Um, my favorite part was playing for the the hockey team, Microsoft <laughs> hockey team, and so nice. it was just all Microsoft guys. Um, I bet there's some good players there. Yeah, that we had some Europeans that were good, but you know, overall, probably not very good. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> they were engineers. <laughs> yeah, they were, at the end of the day, they're like, still engineers. Well, that's like you said. They also had a basketball um, game team there too. Yeah. And uh, what were you telling me about? Their, they would all wear pagers. Oh well, that was our hockey team. There, it was your hockey yeah, team? Yeah, yeah. Okay. This was during the browser wars, and so so you had to be available to get you know at, at a moment's notice, and so yeah, our, surgeons. Uh, we had we were on the ice with pagers, and, and we'd get called. <laughs> in. Oh my God, where's Johnny going? He just got paged. We had a softball team in the physics department. It was the utter shit show that you'd expect it to be. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Was, who'd you play? Other physics? No, there's like th- other like intramural like college kids <laughs> against like a bunch of nerdy grad students. Yeah, that were from China. 
that were from China. I've never played softball. I've never before. played softball. Yeah. Okay, inning one. We'll just call it right here. That was fun, guys. We did get beat like 55 to 0. One yeah. Time. Well, there's no mercy rule. There, that was with the mercy That's rule. Right. That was with it. Can't you just walk away? I had one kid who was literally like he was a minor league baseball player who was out there. Like, what do you do? <laughs> play softball. Now he's a minor league baseball player. He was a minor league baseball player. No, he was. Uh, he, I isotopes. Love, We're the isotopes. You're the is, they, that's the name of the that's Simpsons. A, that's actually yeah. a name of one of the um, minor league teams now. Yeah, out yeah. there, the isotopes. New Mexico, New Mexico isotopes. Yeah, yeah. That's where we stole it from. You just stole it. That's great. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna talk to two of my the smartest people I know, but neither one of them showed up, uh, and so I'm gonna talk to you guys, uh, especially you, Joe. Mm. What is your? Let's talk a little bit about UFOs. You want to talk about UFOs? Yeah, yeah. I I want to know what's your opinion on UFOs, and uh, have you had any? I'm with your, I mean, you're an astrophysicist, that which means you're an astronomer too. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen anything that was different? Uh, I've never seen anything out of, <laughs> out of out of the ordinary in the skies, um, but. I think there's a lot of compelling videos and evidence out there for them, for sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I break it down that it's it's either one of four things. It's uh, a phenomenon that's that's an obscuration, either weather or, or, you know, sunlight or something like that. It could be an obscuration. It could be tech that we are developing ourselves or that our enemy is developing. Or the fourth one, it could be... And I, an identified flying object or UAP now. Yeah. And there's only four things that I can come up with. Um, the, you know, I've flown thousands and thousands and thousands of hours, and I've never seen anything. I've seen weather balloons. I've seen stuff like that. I've, I've seen, but nothing that would ever tell me that I, I've seen a UFO. Um, yeah, no, neither have I. But, uh, yeah, I think the, the Tic Tac videos um, are very compelling, especially if what the pilots are saying is true. Like this thing was flying at 80,000 feet and dropped to sea level in, you know, no, right. no amount of time. Right, with actually no um, no heat signature of, like, a propulsion system, anything. Right. 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 So, like, how do you do that unless... It's all bullshit, which is also possible. I don't know. But, I mean, nothing we have on Earth could withstand those kinds of forces. Well, Tom, have you, have you, have you ever seen anything? Um, when I was a freshman in college, I dated a girl whose mom, when I... Was, you dated a girl's mom? That's well, awesome. Nice. Uh, yeah, I should have phrased that better. Um, when I visited her house and was introduced to her mom, her mom brought out a UFO book and explained that she'd been abducted by UFOs. <laughs> really? And so she showed me, like, pictures. That chick parties. <laughs> yeah. I like her. Uh, she showed me pictures of, like, the aliens that looked like the ones that had abducted her. Did she say anything about sexual intercourse with the aliens, yes or no? We did not get into that. <laughs> did she, were, any, were any of these pictures? Okay, this is going in the wrong <laughs> did direction. Did she show you aliens and then pictures of her nude? Yes or no? No. And this is, no, like, no. apparently she didn't like, she didn't want you to date her daughter. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to drive me yeah. off. Tom is, like, one of the only guys I know, and I, I love him like a brother. But he told me a story where he was at a what he was at a girl's house and he had to escape through a window. Jumped out the window. He had to escape. She was locking him in, and he had to literally escape 
through a window. Wow. The, the best part was the neighbor next door was out and saw me crawl out the window. <laughs> <laughs> How are you not arrested? Like, yeah, seriously. Yeah. I, yeah, especially looking the way I do. I believe that's in Rhode Island. I can't say yes or no. Can't <laughs> confirm or deny. I don't know. But so what, uh, what did this this girl's mother say about the aliens? How how was she abducted? What was her story? Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm curious. I know. Um, I yeah, I wish I, I could remember. I mean, uh, like I said, it was my freshman year in college, and and so I mean, I, I'll never forget the experience of having somebody explain their abduction. But I I, I don't remember any of the details. Was this like on your first meeting of? It was the first time I'd, I'd been to her house. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's good, you know, icebreaker. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Tom. Nice to meet you. Let me show you little green people who took me away. I don't don't even believe. All right, here's the question of the evening. Either one can answer. Okay, first I'm going to ask you a question. How How many countries have nuclear weapons that are? I think there is, let's see. Well, I'm going to guess 10. 14? Okay. You, you say 10? Yeah. And you say I said 14. 14. According to the latest data, it's 9. Yeah. Because you're very close. close. Can you name them? Let's go ahead and start with one. America. Okay. India. Okay. China. Okay. Israel. Okay. Pakistan. Correct. Russia. England. No. Correct. Russia. Correct. France. Yep. Correct. We've got 8 out of 9. Yeah, you're missing the little Iran. No, the little Iran. the little rocket man. Ah, uh, North Korea. North Korea, my favorite country. There's your nine. It's so funny that how many people that don't know that, and it's it's uh, it's nine countries that have it now. Israel is not open source that they have it, but yeah. according to the the American Science uh, Federation, they they said that yes, they do have it, and I would suspect that Iran. Everyone will throw Iran out there. Apparently, they don't have the weapons-grade plutonium and delivery method yet, but who knows? But uh, those are the those are the top nine. We took care of that with Stuxnet. <laughs> Was that when you say we? Not we. You just said we. Yeah. 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 Not we? America. No, not us. No. <laughs> but uh, it, it just cracks me up right now. Um, I talk to a lot of people that can't. Tell me the seven continents of the of the of the world, um, but uh, yeah, nice job. I was very you some, now you came up with ten. It was nine. It was very nice. It was a swagger, but uh, fourteen with fuck off. But that's okay. You're that's the, close. You're the most intelligent person among us. You have a PhD. That's right. I didn't say like five hundred. <laughs> that'll be that'll be off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, to me right now, just talking political, uh, I mean, world events, um, we are closer now to a third world war than I think we have been in our entire lifetimes. You think so? I do. I just, I, I love uh, that just came out the, the false flag attack on the Kremlin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's like, they're like, okay, what I need is a couple drones to fly to the Kremlin. Where Putin doesn't stay. No, ever. no, and we're going to shoot them down and say it was an attack. Yeah. Which is, uh, and you know, false flags, they're, they're used, every, every, every country does them. Yeah. And it, uh, you know, it, it unifies the country, it gives them an advantage, so you... you 
I mean, th- that, I'm sure that was frontline news on every paper and every broadcast in in the Soviet Union. Oh yeah, that we're, we we've been attacked, and that is and it will be for like the next week. Yeah, and yeah. they don't have a lot of news anyway. But uh, yeah, they uh, the one of the red lines that to get China involved to to get them the weapons that they've been requesting for is that they are attacked, you know, in within their sovereign grand of Russia. Yeah. It's not left on there. So to me, it's always, it looks like a, uh, a false flag. Well, there was a couple of attacks on oil depots I saw this past right, week. Right, but they were closer in yeah, to the... Yeah, like right on the border. Right, right on the border. And that's, you know, yeah. Yeah, kind of a no man's land. I mean, something. But, I mean, they really want to attack. That's what... Uh, the Ukraine really wants to um, attack the supply lines deeper into Russia. Yeah, and but they just don't have the they don't have the the missile capability right now to go that deep into it. Yeah, and uh, the drone capability. I mean, to me, drone capability scares the hell out of me with uh, autonomous drones. That um, once you launch them, especially in autonomous swarms, they can actually make decisions in route to to accomplish their mission and change their mission profile to accomplish the mission. Um, that scares the hell out of me. What's the, what's the range on like traditional artillery these days? Um, like man, fifty miles. Probably, I there, I'm sure there's something that's that's probably classified that that can go deeper than that. But I mean, you're probably right about that that range. Um, Just spitball on here. Yeah, uh, I would I never really used it i mean they have a lot of interesting um artillery pieces that are like uh the old copperhead um which is a uh a artillery um artillery shell that that is laser guided yeah which is crazy if you think about artillery shells but you also have these new um these razor drones which aren't really new they've been around for quite some time but they've gone open source so people can know what they are now that they're using those things are way more effective and i and i, I would think that a a drone um especially if you get you know they're supersonic now that they can that you can have stuff like that you know the range would probably be limited to just the fuel that you could put on these things so but um, the the fact that that you can control them and actually hit targets. The, the unique thing about the um, Ukrainian war is how many Russian generals have been killed. Yeah, and that is that's never happened in a war before. And uh, you well, know they keep using their cell phones. And, and <laughs> keep pretty using, easy to find well, out. Well, they keep using at. their cell phones, and and uh, Putin keeps on sending them to the front line because exactly, they're yeah. usually not at the front line. They're usually yeah. back in the rear of the gear making decisions. And now they're like, hey. You got to go up there and get those guys to fight. <laughs> like I, I just don't understand like how many bodies Putin is going to throw at this before he quits or something well, else happens. I mean, if you look at Putin, how old is he? Um, probably like seventy. I don't close sixties. Late late sixties then late sixties early seventies, um, and there, there's been rumors that he has cancer and has a thing. I think this is a last push, and that's what's scary about this whole situation is that I want that guy to have an off-ramp. I really do. I want him to have an off-ramp, and I want him to, I want someone, you know, even if China, you know, barters the peace, somebody barters the peace, because I'm more afraid of what could happen with a guy that has nothing to lose, and there's no one that's going to stop him on there to press the button and, you know, start a nuclear war. Yeah, um, that scares the hell out of me. Well, there are people. It's it's actually happened before, right? 
Like there was a there was one incident I know of where there was um, a malfunction, and the person who was supposed to like press the launch button didn't do it actually. Um, in Russia, he missed. Yeah, he's, he was asleep. I guess. <laughs> no, he got the, he got the signal. He was like, I can't do it, so he didn't do it, and that basically prevented a nuclear war. That's all it takes. And that's yeah. you know, and, and that's it. They're, they're, they just put legislation in because they're worried about ChatGPT and they're worried about new computing and yeah. and all this. The legislation is that there has to be a human within the the, the chain of events for them to actually launch instead of having a computer program that will, you know, take on a threat and launch self-launch without having a human in the process. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Are all those? Like, let me ask you this question about uh, supercomputers. You get to work with a supercomputer. Yeah. Um, are they um, are they all air-gapped? No. They're not. They're not. Well, the ones explain, that we had. Explain what air-gapped is. So air-gapped means there's no outside connection to the larger internet. You have maybe an internal network that they can talk to, but nothing to the outside world. Okay. Did uh, And to me, all the missile silos should be air-gapped. Yeah, those probably are. And the ones like at the DOE, um, the big labs like Oak Ridge, they have the biggest supercomputers. And those ones are probably, hopefully, air gap. Air gap. Yeah, DOE. I just was reading about that supercomputer. I don't know why I was reading about it. But uh, it, what is that one called, you know? Uh, they just launched a new one recently. Uh, there was Sequoia. And then I can't remember what the next one was. And then uh, La Frontera was the University of Texas. It's not La Frontera. What is it? Just, just the Frontera. Frontera. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said La Frontera because it was a apartment. That's a Mexican restaurant. No, it's, it's an apartment <laughs> complex up in, in Round Rock. <laughs> the La Frontera. Uh, but the sounds fr- nice. But the, the Frontera the is not air-gapped. No. Okay. No, it's open. So, yeah, we can you can get to it. Are you... Uh, are you afraid of, like, I just saw a Joe Rogan episode, and I was watching it and listening to it, with, what's the uh, gentleman's name that's on there, Mick, Mitch? Michio Kaku. Michio Kaku. Yeah. Interesting guy. He's talking about our next phase is rapidly approach, approaching us for computing, and it's going to make what we do look like, um, it'd be comparing a abacus to what our, our computers can do right now. And they're talking at the molecular level of it's not going to be transistors or chips. It's going to be at a molecular level. I don't even understand that. And I, I don't get. Uh, they he showed like a supercomputer that in the future and that it's actually not that big, but the cooling system is amazing. It's huge, and they're. I mean the the fact that, um, what I think is fast computing nowadays will be completely obsolete. And yeah, I think there's, I haven't looked that much into it, um, but I think there's definitely like some, it's kind of like quantum computers, right? So there's some applications that they're really, really good for. And so they're good for like problems where you need to find kind of a needle in a haystack type problems. Like, like uh, the the best route if you're a salesman, the traveling salesman problem is is a classic. Where's the when are the hot robot women going to show up? I'm st- I mean I'm waiting, I'm <laughs> just waiting for them. I don't know. So yeah, like quantum computers, and I think um, a lot of the I'm not sure about 
what Mitch Kaku was talking about, but there's biological computing also. So basically you use DNA mm-hmm. um, to run these kinds of computations, right? DNA is basically just code. It's genetic code, but you can program things to actually read that stuff off, and you can parallelize the shit out of that. Um, so you can like have lots of little sequences of DNA that do something specific to look for a particular solution. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> This is some crap into this is the, so, the Hubble space space the the space telescope. I mean, I don't know what you just said. So basically, like you're looking for a particular like the optimal solution to some problem. Sure. So, for instance, yeah, like the traveling salesman problem, where you have to find the optimal route through a whole bunch of cities in order to you know complete your sales tour and sell widgets or whatever, <laughs> whatever the hell you're selling. Um, so there there's algorithms that try to find that. And, okay. and then it turns out, like, as that number of cities that you need to go to gets even not very large, there's, like, a ton of possible solutions to that problem, right? <laughs> right. So you have to, like, you have to look at each possible solution to find the, op- the best one. So even with, like, 20 cities, you have basically, like, 20 factorial or something yeah. like that number of, of solutions, which this is a is, huge number. This is why I am not in science, because I fell asleep about two seconds ago. You did just not yeah, off. Yeah, I have so, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, you could you could break Bitcoin, right? If you had the, a really super fast computer, you could, like, uh, rewrite the history of, of the blockchain, and so it would be completely worthless. Um, so you're saying blockchain's worthless now? Uh, yeah, well, yeah with, with that kind of technology. But now encryption, encryption's a big thing. So there's, yeah. I know. Yeah, you guys have lost me. Let's talk about hockey. Tom's on a hockey team, and he plays every Saturday. What do you? What do you? What spot do you play? Uh, usually defense. Really? Yeah. And yeah. What is it? What's amazing? How many, how many no, fights? no. You getting fights out there? Uh, we have an enforcer on our team, so I don't ever have to fight, which is, is good because I'd probably get killed. What's the age ranges on your teams? Um, from like 21 to 70. <laughs> it's, wow. It's yeah. a gap. It's, yeah. It's a gap. Did uh, No, it's funny because he always says, we're in the championship. I'm like, that's great. But he says, <laughs> that, he says that like three times a year because there's like three to four leagues a year that they play nice. back to back. Like, then you miss it and you're like, okay. Yeah, but back the on. season's three months, so we have four seasons a year. Four yeah. seasons. <laughs> it's never ending, sir. Yeah. Yeah. But no, he's very, he's very excited. Uh, there's more people on the ice than there are in the stands. Um, but uh, it's it's very competitive. How did you get into like you grew you grew up in in Houston area, right? Um, yeah, right before uh, my family moved to Houston, uh, Slapshot came out, and so I, I saw that movie. And I also saw a fight on TV because in California they had hockey on TV, and it, it was like the French Connection of the Sabers were playing, and this guy named Rod- Rene Robert just beat the crap out of this guy, and and so and that you was were like, like I want to do that, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so so then we moved to Houston, and uh, Houston just happened to have like the best player. Uh, ever at the time, Gordy Howe, because he played for the Houston Arrows of the WHA. Okay. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. So, yeah, it was a complete weird introduction. No, he, he does have some in- interesting relatives that uh, coach football. Um, tell tell them who your uncle was. Oh yeah, your... my 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 cousin just got fired from A now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, tell them who your uncle yeah, was. Yeah, my, my uncle uh, was was Jim Dickey, who took 
Kansas State to their first bowl game ever after like 72 years of not going to a bowl game. He took them to the Independence Bowl, um, and, and that was their, that was their first bowl game. Did they win? They lost to Wisconsin. I think it's like 14 to. But tell, I, I went, went to the game. But tell him, uh, tell Joe uh, and our listeners the story of how Dickey got his uh, stadium named after him. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, my my cousin Daryl, uh, he he took North Texas to like. Four bowl games, so they were like a perennially bad team, and, and Daryl uh, did well for him. But then he, he had a heart attack, and and then shortly after the heart attack, North Texas fired him. Uh, it's like thank thanks for your your work. Um, but Jim McInville, Mattress Mac, he was he's a North Texas alum, and he just committed a million dollars to the football program for them to bu- build a new stadium. I think it was, and and he was not happy about the way they treated Daryl. And so he went into their office and he said, look, you're going to name the stadium after Daryl or, or I'm going to give the million dollars to the music program. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We just fired that guy. Yeah. Go ahead. Name the stadium. after. That's amazing. No, but uh, so, and now, and then he went to um, Texas A&M and how long was he with, with the, with uh, who, who was head coach? Oh, well, first, uh, before uh, uh, A&M, he was at uh, uh, Memphis State, okay. and, uh, offense coordinator at Memphis State, and then uh, um, he then he um, w- was recruited from Memphis State to uh, work for Jimbo Fisher uh, at A&M. Right. And, and so Jimbo— uh, Had a tough year. Yeah, had a tough year, and, and so my, my cousin— was Jimbo's not going anywhere. Yeah. We're going to fire some of the staff. <laughs> what happened? Jimbo Fisher did not have a good year at Texas A&M. Ah. So, and he's got such a great no-cut contract for, I don't know, 10 years. It's a, a, yeah. it's a multi-multi-million dollar contract. So Jimbo's not going to get fired. Yeah. But they need some blood. So what you do is you will get rid of the guys that cause the problem. That's obviously my, my like offense coordinator or my, oh, yeah. my defense coordinator. They're taking the hatchet. I can replace them. But, you know, I get rid of Jimbo. That's yeah. right. So uh, that's the law of the land there. That's great. But you were you played a little football in high school. Yeah, I have no athletic ability. So yeah, it, <laughs> when when he when I say he's my cousin and that's my uncle, that was you know it, uh, it was like my, my mom's sister's husband. So it's it, I, I don't. Uh, Your sister's quite an athlete. Yeah, my sister's a good athlete, um, uh, but I I, I am not. Yeah, your sister, that's your older sister? Older sister. She can lift more weights than I can. Um, Is that a high bar? No, no. I, she, younger sister, I'm sorry. Younger, she, sister. younger sister, but she can lift more than I can. And Is that a high bar? How much you lift? Uh, I... I don't know. I, <laughs> are your weights pink? You can tell. Right. Are they? Are they pink? They're, they're not. They're do you not throw in a, a? Do you throw in a Jane Fonda uh, VCR? A little jazzercise. VHS, a little jazzercise. <laughs> your sister can outlift you. Yeah, that's great. The guy with the long beard. That's yeah. right. Uh, Tom is unique. Uh, he loves. Uh, I had to get my Xbox back from him. Um, prior to COVID. Tom goes, hey, do you got an Xbox? Oh, yeah, I got the Xbox. He goes, hey, can I use it? Because he got some game that he wanted to go look at the, what what cathedral did you want to go? Notre Dame Cathedral. Notre Dame Cathedral. There was some, there's some like first person shooter game that was supposed to go into the Notre Dame Cathedral. So you fast forward this, COVID happens. Tom's not coming back here. I'm not, I don't have an Xbox. I'm stuck at home. (laughs) Two years later, I get my Xbox back. The best part about it is that I 
plugged it in just to throw a game in. It's locked by Tom. Ah. And, I can't, and he doesn't remember the code. Ah. Just like, thanks, Tom. That's where friendship really kicks in, you know. That whole thing in Vegas, and now this. Well, I, I use it a lot in, uh, during COVID, so I'm, I'm... You're a horrible person. Thank you for... The... Thank you. Thank you for helping us. Have Do you ever played Factorio? Never. No. Are you familiar? Have you heard no, of it? No. Oh, my God. You got to play it. Oh. It's amazing. It's like a... It's a, it's a automation game. So, basically, you're, you're stuck on a planet, and you have to build all these factories and build other stuff in order to build a rocket to get off the planet. Oh, okay. So, like, it's it's actually Turing Complete, too, the game is, which is... It's an Xbox game? No, it's oh. on Steam, actually. Oh, okay, all right. I've never used that. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you should try it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I had to stop playing it. I, I had to, yeah. Does uh, does your son, your four-year-old son, play it? Uh, I got Jaden into it for a little bit. It's a little bit... It's tricky. It's a little bit yeah. tricky. 18 and older, you just let him play. Your four-year-old son plays... Uh, Battlefront, Star Battlefront. Wars. <laughs> He's good. He actually yeah. beat me. So, so shaming. And then I had to practice so that I could whip his ass. Does he uh, play any other, does he play uh, Call of Duty? No, no, no. You want a lot of that? No, that's a little too. How about his mother? Was his mother allowed? Because uh, you're not his real father, obviously. I don't know who the father is. Yeah, yeah we, we don't, don't know. He's a good looking kid. He's smart. He's smart. He's, he tans a lot better than you. Exactly. Yeah. He's got good, he's got hair. He's, he's got good. gorgeous hair. Four year old, gorgeous hair. Good hair. Well, let me cut it. I ask it all the time. <laughs> I ask him every single time. How's uh, Mort Moore doing? A remote report? Uh, the remote report, he's doing well. Any um, uh, just freedom humping all over the place? No, he did get a little hot and bothered at, uh, went down to the creek yesterday. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's another dog down there. That's Two dogs. Not, that's not acceptable. Off the leash, though. They were off the leash. Well. So, you know, he got he got a little bit angry. <laughs> did he attack? No, no, we, yeah. we de-escalated. So nice. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. All right, we're going to wrap it up for Morty Unleashed, episode two. We want to thank uh, Tom Brown for coming. Joe, always a pleasure having always. you here. Tom, we'll have you back once you grow your beard back, and maybe we'll bring in a special guest for you, because that's <laughs> why. And you know who I'm talking about. I'm sorry. Hey. Sorry about the beard. <laughs> Tune us back in. Uh, Spotify, Rumble, Apple Plus, and soon to be on YouTube. So uh, we will see you next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you later.